0: Welcome to our study of Hebrews here on the Radio Bible Course. We're reading again the first four verses of Chapter 2, if you have your Bibles follow along. The writer writes, Therefore we must pay the closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the message declared by angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution... How shall we escape, if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his own will. In verse 2, the writer speaks about a message declared by angels, and here he is referring to the law of Moses, which was for all Israel for some 1,400 years. He makes the point in verse 2 that if breaking that law received a just retribution, that is, punishment, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? In our last program I pointed out that the law did come by angels. Although the book of Exodus doesn't call attention to the angels delivering the law to Moses, there are other passages that do, including verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 2. And we discussed that, as well as Galatians 3.19, which says, Why then the law? It was given because of transgressions by angels until the seed should come. So there again we have a reference from the apostle Paul to angels having a role in delivering the law. Paul also argues in the book of Galatians that when God spoke to Abraham, he spoke directly, but when he gave the law to Israel, he did it by a mediator, and Paul's discussion there was to enhance the fact that the covenant made with Abraham, which was unconditional, is not annulled and is superior to the covenant made at Mount Sinai. But in addition to those passages concerning angels and the law, that early martyr Stephen in Acts chapter 7 as he was speaking to the Jews said this, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. So here again is a reference to the law, coming by angels. The Jews had concentrated on ritual instead of the one portrayed by the rituals. They observed the Passover feast, but the one who came as the Passover lamb in the person of Jesus Christ, they resisted, and Stephen is bringing all this to their attention. Well, the writer in verse 2 of chapter 2 of Hebrews says the law was valid, and every transgression, that is, every violation, resulted in some form of punishment. That is implied to be willful disobedience. But the law was so strict that it even punished those who did it unwillingly. Now, there is deliberate or defiant violation of law, but there can be accidental violation of law. And Numbers chapter 15 speaks about that unwitting, unintentional violation. It says in verse 27, But if just one person sins unintentionally, he must bring a year-old female goat for a sin offering. The priest is to make atonement before the Lord for the one who erred by sinning unintentionally. And when atonement has been made for him, he will be forgiven. One and the same law applies to everyone who sins unintentionally, whether he is a native-born Israelite or an alien. And then it says in verse 30, but anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or alien, blasphemes the Lord, and that person must be cut off from his people because he has despised the Lord's word and broken his commands, that person must surely be cut off. His guilt remains on him. Now, what is the writer trying to prove here? He is showing that the Old Testament law, which came by angels, was very tough. No one escaped the punishment meted out by that law. Now, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, has come, The Messiah of Israel has come to the scene, and how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Not only does the Old Testament point out how difficult that law was and how great the punishment was, but so does the New Testament, for Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter in chapter 3, said that law was the ministry of death in letters engraved on stone. It came with glory, but it was a ministry of death. And he said, that's not the ministry which we have. We are ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul refers again to that law code and says, For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. Here he is comparing that old covenant made at Mount Sinai with the new covenant made by Jesus. He calls the old one the ministry of condemnation. People under the law got justice. What do we get? We get mercy thanks to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to point out that I don't want to get what's coming to me. I don't want to get what I deserve. I want grace. If I got what I deserved, then I surely would be punished, and the result would be death. Just the other day I was talking to an international student here, explaining to him about the grace of God And I gave him one of our grace booklets, and he looked at the cover and read the word grace, and he said, what does that mean? So I explained how Jesus bore our sins for us, how he took our punishment, that we might be set free. And after some minutes of explaining grace, his remark was, that's not fair. I said, I agree, it's not fair. If it were fair, we would all be punished. But God sent the Son to take our punishment, and that's what grace is. God gives us salvation as a gift because someone else paid the penalty, which we should have paid, but obviously could not pay and still live. Now, here in Hebrews chapter 2, the author is warning these Hebrews by means of a comparison between the Son's message in the first century with a message of the angels given on Mount Sinai and recorded in the book of Exodus. Jesus is so much greater, that's his point. Can there be an escape if we neglect his message? And what was his message? Good news, that the shepherd came to lay down his life for the sheep. In verse 3, he asks, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? There is no escape from the word given by the lesser authorities, that is, angels. So how can we escape from the direct word given by a superior messenger, Jesus Christ? Now, he says, if we neglect that. Neglect is all one need do. Failure to respond to the message is enough to reap the reward of punishment. We've learned in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, that the wrath of God already abides on men. And if they fail to respond to the message of good news, they are doomed to the wrath of God. I recall back in my seminary days when one of the students giving a student sermon in class took this text, verse 3, And he had two points. His first point was, there is so great a salvation. And his second point was, how you can escape if you neglect it. Now, I have a list of excuses that you can try on God in event you decide to neglect the message of salvation. The first one is this. You can tell God that he didn't give you faith. That may seem like an excuse. But no gift of faith is needed. We are all born able to respond to God just as we are able to respond to men. We believe men. Why can't we believe God? If that doesn't work, you might want to say that the Spirit didn't draw you. But the Spirit is drawing men. Every man who hears the gospel is being drawn by the Spirit. But you can resist the Spirit. You might want to say that you were spiritually blinded, like Israel. But the Word of God is the light of God, and you do have light. You might want to say to God that a natural man can't understand the Word of God, but you can understand the Gospel. It is historic fact that Jesus, the Son of God, came here, was rejected by his own people, he was crucified, he died, and he was buried, And God raised him from the dead and then declared that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You don't have to have spiritual understanding to grasp that. You can also say that you were deceived by Satan, but so is everyone else. But yet, some of us have believed. You might want to make the excuse that no one ever made the gospel clear. But that's not the case either, because radio programs such as this one do make the gospel clear. The only thing that God wants you to do is to respond to his promise, and he promises eternal life if you do nothing more than believe him. Now, if the above excuses won't work, here's what you might want to do. Just lie. Tell God you never heard the gospel of grace, the free gift. Friends, that won't work either. There is no escape. Those excuses won't help. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 tells of Christ returning to take vengeance on unbelievers. This warning in chapter 2 is the first of five warnings in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to discuss those in our program tomorrow. Did you know that the Bible does not teach that there were three wise men? Nor does it teach that the wise men ever found the manger. There are many things that people believe which do not come from the Bible. Our course on understanding the New Testament deals with many of these misunderstandings. Much of the confusion in the minds of Christians comes from the lack of orientation to the Bible. After all, the Bible is a book of two religions and two systems of living, Law and Grace. And many people don't know where one ends and the other begins. Well, it's for that reason that for many years I taught a short course on the LSU campus on understanding the New Testament, and that short course is now on cassette tapes, ten of them to be exact. And you can get information about these and other short courses on cassette tape by writing to the Radio Bible Course Ask for tape information. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916 Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.